Hello, my friends. Welcome to our Sermon of the Week. I'm Paul White. I want to say thank you. Those of you who join us, both video and audio, or just the audio version of these sermons, it is such a treat. It's really the love, uh, the passion of my life to get to tell you about Jesus, to celebrate the beauty of knowing Him, being known by Him, getting to follow Him, and to do so together. And we get to do so together from afar, and I do not take that for granted. And I thank all of you for joining me whenever you get to, and many of you for joining me a lot, each and every day. I hear from some who never miss any of the stuff we put out, which is incredible to me because we try to put out a lot of material. So thank you and greetings to you. This is a little different, uh, certainly a little different video and certainly a little different setup. As you can see, uh, I'm standing in front of the, uh, the White family stockings, um, including an S for those of you who followed our family for a long time ago. Who's the S? Uh, that is Lucas's girlfriend, Sarah. She was with us uh, for the Christmas season, and so we celebrated uh, her as well. So uh, more, more on the family in a moment, but I wanted to give you, those of you who are watching this week, a little bit of an update as to what was going on behind me. And uh, I, I move around a little bit on some of these videos to try to find different locations to shoot and try to make it a little bit interesting. For those of you who are just audio only, you don't notice any differences at all, but uh, you'll probably want to go click over on the on the YouTube and check it out if you get the opportunity. I did want to give you the reason for this video, this sermon this week, as being a little different than normal. You realize that a lot of times we post our stuff from our monthly meetings or we post our stuff from our travels, different churches, different cities, different places. Uh, but then sometimes when we don't have anything, I stand in front of the camera in different backgrounds and deliver a word to you. Um and that's what we're going to do today, but it's going to be a little different in that. I, I really want to give you an update on our family because when this airs, this would be the last Sunday drop for 2021. And we put 52 Sundays a year up on our website, 52 different sermons. And this being the final one of the year, I thought it was appropriate for it to be the one where we give you an update on what's happening in our life and in our ministry and we also give you our holiday greetings, even though I realize that this will air the day after Christmas um, and that many of you don't listen on the day it airs anyway, so it'll be weeks later. But I still think it's inappropriate. I was going to put this on Christmas, but then as the sermon started to work in me, I realized that it needs to be after Christmas. And the title, The Chaos After the Christ, probably gives you a hint as to why I wanted to do it after Christmas. Uh, I was going to call it the chaos after Christmas, but I didn't want people to see the word Christmas and then leave if they don't listen to these in order. Uh, so we'll get to that in a moment. Maybe that title kind of whets your appetite for something good. And trust me, I think it's going to be something that'll bless your walk and help you along the way. That's my hope and prayer with everything that we share. I do think it's appropriate to, first of all, give my thanks to all of our partners all of the friends of Paul White Ministries who have helped make this possible. 2021 is looking to be the greatest year we've ever had in so many ways. Outreach, footprint, downloads, views, um, partnership, income, all those things. And I don't have any other reason for it other than God is good. And so many of you are listening to the Spirit because you're being impacted by the Word. 
So I want to say thank you because I don't take it lightly. And every gift, great and small, I look at as this incredible, incredible thumbs up from someone out there that says, give me more. And I get in my own Bible and search and wrestle and spend some private time with the Lord for the very reason that somebody out there so desperately needs some fresh bread. So not only do I do it because it's what I do, but I get to do what I do because I love it. And, and I am so thankful that you make that possible. So many of you have given in this calendar year, but so many more of you include us in your prayers. You say our name in front of the Father, and I don't take that lightly. And I thank you so very much. At the end of the video, at the end of this sermon, I'll put everything up in case you'd like to be a giver at the end of this calendar year. I know people, some people like to do that because that goes on their tax returns for the next year for their charitable donations. And I'll give you all that info at the end. And of course, you can visit our website, which flashes up the bottom screen every now and then, paulwhiteministries.com. All right. The White family had a good year. It was a trying year for some, namely for my son, Lucas. Um, many of you have followed Lucas from the time he was a kid and I was up preaching sermons about him playing travel ball all over the Midwest and the South. Well, that took us to school, to high school in California. That took him to college in Nebraska. He's played summer ball in Georgia. He's played summer ball in Missouri. He's had games all over the country uh, over the last few years. The update on Lucas is that he is heading into his academic final semester of his academic senior year in January of 22. He will graduate in May. He's on track to graduate in May. But because of COVID a couple of seasons ago, everyone got another season of eligibility. So Lucas will enter his senior season as a athletic junior, which means he can come back for a fifth year. And it's looking like he will do that. The school's giving him a chance to, to come back for that fifth year if he wants it um, and take grad classes. And so that's looking positive into the new year. Lucas had a tremendous season last spring where he was on the national leaderboard in the NAIA in a lot of offensive categories in baseball. Ultimately, he was all-conference. He won the gold glove in his conference, and he helped take his team to the first round of the NAIA national baseball tournament. And then in the summer, he signed up to play in the Mink League and played for 10 days or so in, the, in Joplin, Missouri. He was in a game in Des Moines, Iowa when he tore the ACL on his left knee and tore his meniscus. And so he came back to Georgia and had surgery with the, with the great staff at Emory that works on the Atlanta Falcons and the Atlanta Braves. And so he had his surgery done in July and has been in recovery mode ever since. Uh, he came home for the holidays and we went to the doctor and he has, he's clearing all of his benchmarks. He's where he needs to be, but it is a slow recovery. So the one little bit of bad news was that the doctor does not want to clear him for opening day because he thinks it's a month too soon at least. Uh, opening day in Lucas's season is, in, is February the 11th, so they are looking at clearing him possibly in March, right around that time, so he might miss four weeks. The good news is that if he gets cleared, he'll be just cleared to go. And the good news is when you go to college in Nebraska and your season starts in February, you have a lot of snow outs. And so every year we, that he's been at Doan, he has, they have never made all of those non-conference games work at the beginning of the year. So 
for the first time, I'm kind of selfishly praying that uh, there are snow outs. Um, I've always prayed no snow outs, but um, we'll, we'll see. And then they make those games up later, so maybe he'll be able to play in those. But uh, So we're, we're optimistic. Things are looking good. He's healing great. He's strong. Uh, he's working hard, and, and I'm proud of him. Um, also, about a month ago, we got news that the NAIA preseason All-American list came out, and Lucas White is the NAIA All-American first baseman going into the 22 spring season. So big spotlight year coming up for the kid. He has already signed a contract to play in the Northwoods League in the summer of 22. He will be playing for the Traverse City, Michigan Pit Spitters, and uh, we're, we're pumped about that. That'll be fun. Um, so keep praying for Lucas. I know he wants your prayers. Um, he was with us in the monthly meeting in Chapin, South Carolina, and uh, got to meet that crew, and everyone was excited to get to see him. His girlfriend, Sarah, who I told you, that's why there's an S on the mantle, uh, was with him for a week or so, and we had a great time with her, and uh, we're, we're, we're so proud of them, and, and uh, so continue to pray for them. Uh, that leads me to Lauren. Lauren was also with us in that monthly meeting and got to meet everyone, and we're trying to get uh, our kids out on the road every chance we get. It's not easy with them. You know, everybody goes different directions, but Lauren, her story's a little briefer, mainly because no surgeries, no injuries, um, so that's good, good news. Uh, Lauren is a senior at Flowery Branch High School and loving life, man. She's going into her final semester of high school. Lauren has been accepted to the University of North Georgia, where she will attend in the fall of 22. She can do that and live at home because that's not a very far commute. They have an, uh, an extension about 15, 20 minutes up the road from us. And so she'll be able to go to school and stay home, which her I'm excited about her mom is really excited about, and Natasha is pretty pumped about that. And uh, so Lauren is having a great time. She's gainfully employed at Chili's. She likes working and she likes making money and she's a great student and we're so proud of her. Lauren was baptized into the faith this summer. This was an experience that I let Lauren walk into completely on her own, no pressure. I just have tried to show her the grace and love of the Father and this summer, she came to me, Dad, it's time. I'm ready to be baptized. And so we gloriously baptized Lauren. Our Tuesday group got to celebrate. Some of them got to celebrate that with us. That was a fun, fun time. Uh, and she's bringing friends to our Tuesday meetings, and we're getting to share the gospel of grace with another generation. It has been a wonderful time. That leads me into the segue that I uh, about those monthly meetings. We do a Tuesday meeting here in Flowery Branch. We do a monthly meeting here in Flowery Branch, and we do a monthly meeting in Chapin, South Carolina. And we've done that, the, the, the Flowery Branch meetings we've been doing for a while, the Chapin meetings we did every month in 21 that's our plan in 22. So if you're in the Columbia, South Carolina area, check our calendar because we come every month. They meet every week using a video that we specially prepare for them. And uh, that's going over my first book each week, a 20 minute video with questions going over my first book. And we're preparing that when we're done with that group, we're going to be able to release that as a class online for the rest of our audience, but we're still shooting them. So it isn't finished. So that's kind of an update on what's happening with those meetings. They're growing. We're, being, we're, we're watching God do great things. And by growing, I don't really mean or care about the size of 
the crowds, but the people in the meetings are seeing Jesus and the testimonies we get have been tremendous. Um, the other thing on my ministry calendar, I guess you could say, is I'm working on a new book. We've been working on it for a couple of months now. I don't feel like I've written much in December with people here and with us traveling. And I'm actually, the day this airs on the 26th of December, I'm in Poplar Bluff, Missouri this weekend ministering for my dad at his church, the Southside Poplar Bluff General Baptist. And so we're on the road and you know how it is. It's holiday time. So I haven't got to write a lot in December, but I'd say the book is about half finished as far as the actual writing is concerned. Um, and so we're still on track, I think, for a spring finish for a book called Greater Than Jonah. And this is a vehicle that allows me to say a lot of things about the, the church and the believers and what discipleship look like and looks like. And so I don't give you too much info, but that's coming. And thank you for your prayers and the so many questions. And people seem pretty excited to get their hands on that book. And so we're going to have that out soon. All right. Um, Natasha sends her love and her greetings. We celebrated 26 years of marriage this late this summer. And in that 26 years, I've been in ministry that entire time. And uh, Natasha has yet in those 26 years to want to uh, get, into the get on the platform, address groups. It's not her style. Um, she's great behind the scenes, but doesn't want to be in front of cameras, doesn't want to be up on platforms. And so I honor that. The, the door is open and has been and will be forever, but she sends her love. She sends her greetings. If you ever contact our ministry, it's her probably that you're talking to. She does all of our behind the scenes work. We wouldn't be what we are. That is a guarantee if it wasn't for Natasha. And so um, thanks from her to you. Thanks from me to her. All right. I want to get started in the Word, and I intentionally have a short word today. I knew I would take at least 10 minutes introing and telling you about our family, but I look and see that I've taken about 14 or so. And so I, I knew I had a 15 or 20-minute thought on my heart just to, at following the greetings, to, to bless you with, with some Word, because I truly believe that so many of you come back because you get to see Jesus, and I want to show you Jesus a little bit. The season that we're in, whether you're watching this on the day it's released, which is one day after the Christmas of 21, or whether you're watching or listening to this months later, it really doesn't matter because the gospel message is universal. And the fact that Jesus arrives and we call it Christmas, that might be um, specific to the calendar, but it's not specific to a single moment in your heart because you, Jesus appeared to you at a different time than he appeared to me. Uh, and he appears different times in different ways to you than he appears to me. So while Jesus arrives and we call it Christmas, his arrival to you is what really matters in your own personal walk. And as you have those revelations of Jesus, as you encounter him, as you celebrate him, and you are celebrated by him, those are the high water marks of your spiritual life. Those are the moments of true, pure excitement. The moments where you change. Born again is a phrase we throw around like it's, and, and we use it as if it's only for 
the moment you get saved. I, I think the reality is, is we're being born again repeatedly into these revelations of the love of the Father. So whatever your most recent born again experience, and I mean that in a classic sense, not just you felt like you needed to get resaved, but a moment where something in you was rebirthed. We cling to those and we hold on to those because they're special and because they mark the time of our lives. They set us up for whatever is coming. But what we need to know is that those moments are not the end of problems. You know, just because you have a revelation of Christ and you see Him in a wonderful way and He reveals Himself to you powerfully, it doesn't mean that you're finished, that there's no thorns ahead, that there's no rocky roads. You know better than that. But we get that from the nativity. I want to read for you from Matthew chapter 2, beginning with just three verses. Matthew chapter 2, verse 16. When Herod saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, he was infuriated, and he sent and killed all the children in and around Bethlehem who were two years old or under, according to the time that he had learned from the wise men. And then was fulfilled what had been spoken through the prophet Jeremiah. A voice was heard in Ramah, wailing in loud lamentation, Rachel weeping for her children. She refused to be consoled because they are no more. Now, in some sermons that are going to come at you in the coming weeks, we talk about this because as I preached some sermons in Advent heading into Christmas, we recorded those. They'll air sequentially as we get into January. So we make some comments about Rachel's weeping that I'm going to leave alone in this message. Just know that they're coming up and there's going to be some things I think you'll want to pay attention to in the next several sermon drops. But where I really want to focus today is the reality that as Herod hears about the wise men going back another way because they were supposed to come back to him and tell him where to find the baby. But they were warned in a dream not to do that. And so they go back to their homeland through another route and ignore heading back through Herod's palace. Herod finds out and then in his anger, he sends out what has been referred to as the slaughter of the innocents. This is something that the church has mourned for 2,000 years, the slaughter of the babies that were two years old and under in the town of Bethlehem because that was the estimated time that Herod felt like Jesus, he didn't know it was named Jesus, but the baby that was to be king of the Jews had been born. And so he slaughtered all of the baby boys aged two and under. And that leads to the thought that Jesus is raised with that sort of hanging over his head. And we elaborate on that in other sermons coming up as well. But, um, I want to take you back mentally to the euphoria of the arrival of Jesus. I mean, can you imagine the excitement among Joseph and Mary and the family? Can you imagine the excitement of the shepherds abiding in the fields and seeing the angels who tell them about the arrival of Jesus? The excitement of the wise men as they follow the star and they traverse those thousands of miles and find themselves with their gifts at the foot of what they believe to be the arrival of God on the earth. And this euphoric scene where the hosts of heaven are singing, God has wrapped himself in human flesh. Uh, God takes the human form that he chooses to keep for the rest of eternity so that he is always identified with his creation. And it starts right there in a feeding trough, a manger. Uh, totally opposite of the way you would think things should be through the lens of the world. I mean, think, for instance, of the fact that the wise men go first to Herod's palace. Why do they do that? 
You could say they go to Herod's palace because Herod is king and the king should probably know what's going on. But I don't think that's it. I think they go to the king's palace because they assume a king is being born. And what better place for a king to be born than in a king's palace? One of the first moments that we recognize that the kingdom of God is flipped power structure-wise in accordance to the kingdoms of the world is the fact that the wise men go to a king's palace to find a king that would never be born in a king's palace. Jesus isn't born where you would expect to find a king. He's born where you would expect to find a beggar, where you would expect to find the homeless. And isn't it fitting that a Jesus who in his professional ministry, in his adulthood, would spend almost all of his time concerned with that vagabond and that homeless and that outcast who would build a ministry on presenting the gospel to them and ushering them into the kingdom. Blessed are this and this and this. And they're all those marginalized peoples. Isn't it fitting that that Jesus would be born not in the palaces of Herod, not in the regal halls of Rome, but would be born in a feeding trough in a cave. Probably that's what it was, the indention of a rock somewhere out in the outdoors because there was just not enough room for him to be born where you would normally expect to see someone born. But it shows us that the kingdom of God is absolutely different from the beginning. Jesus isn't just responding to power structures in the world and going, oh, I'm going to be in rebellion to that. I'll show you. No, from the moment that he's born, he's born into poverty. He's born into a family that's at the lowest end of the financial totem pole and he's not born where kings should be born and yet the wise men go find him in that poor place and they don't seem turned off god bless them they're not turned off they have found the king of glory even if he's in a feeding trough and i've got a feeling that as they knelt down in front of the baby they had their own epiphany they had their own realization that wow that's exactly how God should be born, is to come into the world like this. We missed it. Why did we start in Herod's palace? And I think it's there where they have that dream, that vision that says, don't go back to Herod's palace. The kings of this earth have nothing on this baby, so don't give them any hands, heads up on this baby. And this amazing experience of seeing this child and, and realizing that Jesus has come into the world, Jesus, Yeshua, Savior, and then right after that, Herod in his anger, massacres. We don't know how many. Bethlehem is not a large place. Let's assume it's a few dozen babies have been born in the last two years in Bethlehem. I hope it wasn't a few dozen. I mean, of course, we hope it wasn't, wasn't any, but according to the text, it happened. And someone had absolute chaos enter their world because of the arrival of Jesus. And, and that leads me to this thought. And we titled this, The Chaos After the Christ. And this is the reason. When you have your Christological experience, when you meet Christ, and I don't just mean when you get saved, I mean every one of your revelations of Christ. Don't expect ease on the other side. You've met the Prince of Peace, but don't expect immediate peace. Because there is this enragement in the systems of the world against the system of the king. And when you encounter Jesus, you do not enter this sort of rose garden, or if you do, be assured that the roses you smell are closely attached to the thorns you don't see. 
they are coming after you. In other words, there's a chaos that follows the Christ. There has to be. Because chaos is transverse of order. Order, transverse of chaos. We appreciate the order because of the chaos. We bring the order out of the chaos. But the chaos that follows the arrival of Christ is meant to destroy what you just found in Christ. That's why the chaos is there. It's not sent by God, but it is meant to thwart everything and every, every ounce of the revelation of His love that you received and of His presence that you received. So don't expect ease. Chaos ensues to destroy order. But I give you this word so that you'll face it equipped, not so that you will face it shocked. Because know that where Christ is born into a manger, and by that I mean where Christ is birthed in you, and where Christ is birthed up out of you, just like Bethlehem of Ephrathah, that house of bread next to the ash heap, Jesus is born wherever your heap of ashes is, but I assure you that if there were ashes there, that means there was fire there and there's going to try and be fire there again. So wherever he's birthed, there's going to be an attack. Chaos ensues. So don't be shocked when things don't go your way. You've met Christ, but things don't go your way. It's the way that it is. But you're not stunned. You're prepared. Look at Matthew chapter 2, verse 19. When Herod died... An angel of the Lord suddenly appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, Get up, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel, for those who were seeking the child's life are dead. Herod has died, and so God speaks to Joseph and says, It's time to come up out of Egypt because it's time to go back to the land of Israel. And in the story of Israel, we have God's people coming up out of the land of Egypt. But what happened right before that? Well, not immediately before it, but sequentially in the story, what happens before the children of Israel come up out of the land of Egypt? Well, we get introduced to Moses, the great Redeemer. And one of the things that happens early in the biography of Moses is that when Pharaoh hears that a Redeemer has been born to God's people, he kills all the baby boys aged two and under. Because the moment that the Redeemer enters the collective consciousness of the world, chaos ensues. So when Jesus enters into the earth and into the collective consciousness of the audience, chaos ensues in that the murder of the innocents. But let's spiritualize it. The moment that Jesus becomes a reality in you, the moment that Jesus becomes the centerpiece of your faith, chaos ensues. Because that's what happens. But the good news is God visits His people in the middle of the chaos, just because you've had that experience with Jesus, that's not the end. And it's certainly not the end of chaos, but it's not the end of God moving. And he prepares you to move. So I say to you, there will be a chaos after the Christ, but there will be a Christ in the chaos. Because the Christ that arrives does not arrive and then move off the scene. He arrives and then he moves through the chaos with you. You know what's coming up out of Egypt? The same Christ that you met, that held your hand in the chaos and the disaster, that Christ is walking with you up out of Egypt. God is always raising something up.
You may not see it right now, but I promise you, God is raising something up. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God is raising something up. If Christ visits and then chaos ensues, and it does, Christ is in the middle of the chaos. He comes up out of the devastation of Egypt. He comes up out of the slavery of the soul. He delivers us. He is not just Savior from the sins we have committed. He's Redeemer from the slavery of the systems of this world. The chaos that ensues is meant to destroy you, but it can't because you go into it prepared. I think we've said something backwards for a long time in the church. How many of you have ever heard something like, we, and I heard this a lot sort of in Pentecostal charismatic circles. I tell you what, God's about to move. Everybody here, you just need to get prepared for a blessing. Get prepared for a blessing. I, I don't think you've got to get prepared for a blessing. I think you've got to get prepared for chaos. Who needs prepared for a blessing? I mean, blessings can surprise you and shock you and you get them and you say, thank you, Jesus. You don't have to get prepared. Just receive it. You know what you got to prepare for? Bad times. You got to prepare for poverty, prepare for drought, prepare for brokenness. You got to prepare for chaos. How are you going to get up out of Egypt? Well, you need a Jesus. You see, your encounter with Christ is your preparation for chaos. The more you encounter Christ, the more prepared you are for the chaos that follows the Christ. In a literal sense, the chaos that followed Christmas. In a spiritual sense, the chaos that follows Christ's birthing in you. And it's not just your initial salvation, but every revelation that's born in your spirit. You prepare for the chaos. So I challenge you, get prepared for the chaos. How? Not by fear, not by shaking and nervousness, not by hoarding, not by keeping your eyes focused on the systems of the world. Prepare for chaos by having encounters with Jesus. That's the preparation for whatever chaos is coming. Get ready for the slaughter by kneeling at the foot of the manger. It's some alone time with Him. I want to encourage you. As you head into another year, and this is the final full-length sermon that we air on this calendar year. We do have a Tuesday meeting coming up that will air, I think, in the calendar year, uh, if I'm doing my math right. Um, but this will be the last of the 2021 sermons. And for those of you who are listening to this in a 2021 sermon collection someday, I hope you've watched the development of this guy, <laughs> this guy right here. I hope you've tracked the development of me over this year. And I hope that what you've been left with is the impression that this guy is pretty infatuated with Jesus and thinks that that would be your only real proper preparation for whatever the systems of the world throw at you. Because that's my heart. You want to be ready for what's around the corner? Because there's bad things around the corner. That's not being a prophet of doom. That's life. There's some trouble around the corner. There's snakes in the garden. But there's a Christ in you. And that's greater than any snake in any garden. There's a chaos after the Christ, but there's a Christ in the chaos. Hold on to his hand. Father, thank you. It's been fun. It's been fun to shine the spotlight on you. I hope that we've done it in a way that has brought great glory to the finished work of Jesus. I pray, Father, not just for this word, that it take root in the hearts of the listener, 
because there's chaos on the way. But I also just pray for the listener. I just pray you bless them. I thank you for them. They're so important to me. I thank you for each and every one of them and pray that your favor be on them as they close this year and begin a new one. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to thank you so very, very much for who you are and for what you do. I hope that Paul White Ministries has been a blessing to you. Keep us in your prayers as we continue to do what we do and hopefully can do it at a better, le- better quality, better level than ever before. Uh, on the screen, I want to give you the ways that you can contact us, including our physical address. Some people still like to write checks and send letters and send cards, and I love reading them. And, and so if you do, our address is on the screen, Post Office Box 1030, Flowery Branch, Georgia, 30542. Uh, if you like to give, you can make your checks to Paul White Ministries. If you'd like to give via credit card, you can do so at paulwhiteministries.com. And we have a giving link there. If you prefer to use something like Cash App, then you can reach us at dollar sign Paul White Ministries. If you prefer PayPal, uh, we have a PayPal link on our website as well. Uh, we appreciate anything and everything that you can do to help us. Um, we don't make this plea via video very often, but uh, I know it's the end of the year. Some people like to give at the end of the calendar year. We do keep track of your, your gifts to Paul White Ministries, and you will receive a detailed list uh, of all of your gifts to the ministry. We are a 501c3 organization in the United States, which means that your gifts to Paul White Ministries are tax deductible. So by the end of January, we will have a letter or an email out to you for your tax donation. If you give via PayPal and you've never given us your mailing address and you would like yours mailed, then please contact the ministry info, I-N-F-O at paulwhiteministries.com and let us know that you want your tax receipt but that we don't have your address. Give us your address. We'll get it to you, all right? We're praying blessings and favor on you. Hope that you have had a wonderful holiday season, a very happy new year. For those of you listening to this later on down the road, um, whatever you're facing in life, we pray God's blessings and favor in you. Be prepared for the chaos after the Christ because Christ is with you in the chaos. God bless you.